Welcome everybody to Sports Focus. I'm Frank, your host, as usual. Now, I don't have Mr. Saucy or Anton or Dave with me in the studio today, live. But as the show does go on, I would bring you their takes to every single segment that we have today. And we do have a loaded show. We have been unable to record over the past few weeks because of what has been going on around the country. And it is in that note that I would like us to start the show. Sports Focus would like to voice the support to the peaceful NSAS protests that have been going on for several weeks around the country and the world. We send our sincerest condolences to the families who have lost their loved ones during this fight for the end to police brutality, <coughs> fight for good governance and a new Nigeria. We would like to encourage the Nigerian people to continue in this noble fight. We would also like to remind them that this cannot stop here. We have to ensure that we put the right people in power and continue to hold them accountable. And to do that, we have to vote. We cannot overemphasize how sorry we are for the lives that have been lost. They are truly our heroes and their deaths shall not be in vain. We move. Okay. Now let's dive into the football part of it and we have a lot of football to talk about today. We have Nostosio, we have Van de Beek, we have, we're talking about Lampard's situation in Chelsea. But today we are going to start at Manchester City and the shaky start that they have, um, they've had to the season. Obviously dropping points to Leeds, that 5-1 defeat to Leicester City was really really bad. And just this last weekend them um, dropping points again to a West Ham team that I think are are playing better than a lot of people expected but you would still expect manchester city to come out and win this game and they have not now bear in mind pep guardiola has a few months left in his contract and he did say that he would only sign an extension if he felt that he deserved it now it's just five games into the season but do you think pep guardiola deserves it i mean it's it's a weird question to ask but these are usually the times that he leaves teams. Um, he stayed in Barcelona, I think, six years. Um, Bayern Munich, I think, four or five. So it's it's it has gotten to the point where okay, this might be the time for Pep Guardiola to look for a new challenge. And if you're being honest, he has dominated the Premier League, or he did dominate the Premier League for the first his first three years here. I mean, that was very clear. It was during his sort of since he came into the Premier League that we began to see almost an increase in quality in terms of how middle teams play and now want uh, he has made a lot of teams now reconsider their style of play a lot of teams are no longer as pragmatic as they used to be now a lot of teams now want to come out be confident on the ball and pass the ball and try and get an advantage um and yeah i i think that's all because of Pep Guardiola and what he has brought to the to the to to the Premier League but ultimately, I think Manchester City's goals we are getting at the Champions League. And quite frankly, he has not done that um, throughout his stay there. Losing out to Monaco was, was horrible. I think that was two, three years ago. But the last, the last one against Lyon, I think that one was a little bit embarrassing for Manchester City. That was a game that for me, I could not believe my eyes what were happening because they were by far the better team on paper. But on the night, they did not play very well until the second half. And you would, and, and it's beginning to look like maybe Manchester City might start looking for other options. I mean, names like Allegri, maybe Pochettino even bringing him into the team. But like I said, it's just five games in. But there might be questions out there about... um 
whether Pep Guardiola's contract will be renewed and if if he is the man to bring Manchester City that European success that they've been craving. Now I asked this question to Mr. Sossi and Dave and this is what they had to say. Okay, um, Pep and um, Manchester City. Um, generally in life, basically, I don't think anything is smooth right, you know. When he came, when Pep came, he really had an impact on them, the English Premier League and it was very visible to see because he changed how coaches in the Premier League think. He brought a style that was unique and all that. Fine, he needs he needs money is the is the fruit like they call him. So but that does not remove the fact that he's a footballing genius when it comes to tactics. I don't think anyone beats him. When it comes to tactic, so renewing Pep's contract—that's you know, a big thing. I don't know how long has it been there. I think four, five years, four, five years, if I'm not mistaken. And he's having a rough patch now, considering everything he has been spending. He's always buying players. His solution is not to improve his squad. His solution is to buy players to improve his squad. He doesn't improve internally. Let me put it that way. He improves externally, like getting players their quality. I feel the reason why he does that is because the style of football Pep tries to play is a very intelligent kind of football. So I don't think any player of any profile can just play what he wants to play. I don't see an Elneny starting for or ever playing football for Pep. I don't see a Probably Xhaka playing for Pep. I don't see Mustafi playing for Pep and stuff like that. I hope, I hope you get my point. So, if I was the boss or the chairman of Manchester City, it's a tough decision, but I would renew Pep's contract. Why? Because who do you have outside that, that would give you something better than what Pep is delivering? People would argue that he's, he's, he's performing badly, but uh, when it comes when it comes to it, I don't think you can find anyone in this current manager's market or coach's market anyone better than Pep Guardiola. Yeah, for me personally, yeah, I feel Pep Guardiola is among the elite coaches in the world. Like, there's almost no one better than him currently. Yeah, I know that he has not had much success recently in the international competition, the Champions League, and that is what the club wants to achieve because they have dominated England and all the English competitions for quite some time now. And the club really wants to get their hands on the Champions League. That is what they are investing all this money in. And he has not been able to deliver. Yeah, but I, feel, I will still renew his contract because you will see the development and how he has made his players grow all through the years. And I know that defensively he has been having some issues, but it's just a matter of time for him to find the right fit. And I believe he will actually get them the success that they crave. So for me, I will always renew Pep Guardiola, but if they are not going to renew him, <laughs> he's always welcome at Chelsea. <clears throat> you could see Agent Sussi there, or you could hear Agent Sussi there at the end, just trying to put 
Pep Guardiola for Chelsea, which would, I mean, that that would be that would really be something. But we would like to stick with the Chelsea part because apparently the Chelsea fans are not fully um, buying into the Lampard system. If you might have it, uh, there's been a little rumor of um, Chelsea fans wanting Lampard out. Now I'm going to say this: I, I didn't. I've never this has never crossed my mind before. I, I think our last um, podcast episode, um, Dave mentioned something about it. He said um, something in the lines of, "The only thing that would be bringing this Chelsea team down is Frank Lampard." According to him, the team personally has a lot of players that can get results, which is true. I mean, right now, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, they do have players that can go out and get results on their own. However, he felt okay that the only person that would be bringing them down would be Frank Lampard, and I find this odd because last year we, we we could see him elevate the quality of the players that were in that team. I mean, Mason Mount is a good player; he is not a very good player, and he looks like a very good player last season. The same goes for Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud. I mean, you could even put someone like Matteo Kovacic in there who played fantastically well last season under Frank Lampard. And so that has to be up. That has to be on Frank Lampard making these players look better than they are. So now, with obviously a far better team, um, players that are of higher quality. I mean, Timo Werner is is going to go on to be one of the best strikers that the Premier League has seen for sure. Kai Havertz is just 21, scratching the limits of his potential. So you would expect. That a man that did bring out the best out of players like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham and Fikayo Tomori, let's not forget, had a really good season last season too, Reese James. I would expect him to be able to bring out the best out of these players too. And these are not, it's not like he signed players that are, um, I mean, they are not really old players, they are young players. Kayavet is 21, Gibbon Wena is 24, 25. So these are players that would still have the respect of the man, or that would still respect the manager to an extent not just because of he's their manager but he as a player was a fantastic player they would give him that respect of this is my manager and what he says we will do so i mean, i know the, the results obviously they, they, they won their first game at brighton but you could see right from that very from that game that it wasn't looking as explosive as everybody thought it would look and um Maybe some of that was because of the shortened preseason and um, players just coming back from international breaks and all that. But um, I think we should give it time because this season is going to be a weird one with the shortened preseason and um, international breaks are going to be coming in at very weird, weird positions, and players are going to are not going to play at their very best. But right now, Chelsea don't just have a very good team; they they have good depth too. Obviously, with Ziyech back now, they can bring in Mason Mount for um, the Champions League games and all that. But all in all, I think I have been very satisfied with everything Frank Lampard has shown the Chelsea fans or the Chelsea people that he can do in his first season. He was tactically good. He changed, he switched formations when he could. He he wasn't um, he wasn't scared to gamble and bring in Olivier Giroud, who a lot of people thought was going to go was going to leave Chelsea in January. He brought him in. Um, Giroud started to score goals and he kept him in the team. Actually, took Tammy Abraham Tammy Abraham out who um, had been their talisman up to that point. So I think in terms of everything coaching and tacticality, I think he still has it. I think he's really good. I mean, this is his second job. This is his second, this is his third year um, as a manager. He just he just um, left Derby County where he did very well. So 
for me, I mean, Frank Lampard has shown Chelsea he's a good leader. He's good tactically. And this is still his third year, so you would expect... I, I think he would get better as the job as the job continues, as he gets to know his players um, and as he tries to fit them into that system. For me, I don't think Chelsea fans should have any problem. I think he would need four more weeks to just get um, all the players inculcated into the system now that all of them are fit. And I think Chelsea will do very, very well, especially with the team that they have. Um, but let's see what Sussie and um, David had to say about that. I'm considering Lampard. I, I, I hope, like at the beginning of the season, I was saying this. I was saying Lampard is going to be biting more than he can chew. Yeah, or he's been forced to bite more than he can chew because. I he, the, the the profile of players he got, I think they are bigger than him as the type of coach he is a new coach. I think the profile of the players he got are too 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 high for him. People will tell me that was it not still the same players he used last season and they did well. Now look at the team he used last season. Chelsea could not sign players, so he had to use academy guys and people that are not yet established look at the likes of Tammy look at Mounts look at Tomori look at Sirius James look at Hudson a lot of guys like that and you see people that have a point to prove people that want to play to play for the manager take Mounts as example an example I don't think Lampard could tell Mount play center back for me mount to play it without complaining and give it his all so that was what lampard had last season he had that he had people that were not established yet people that had the points to prove so you see that's the difference now now he has potential world-class players he has he has stars in his team yeah like it or not when i is a star akim is a star kai is a star all of them, Pulisic is a beast of a player, all of them, everybody, children, the likes and all that. So I still stand by what I said earlier this season, that Lampard is, is a, maybe is a, uh, is not really the right profile for that Chelsea team. And personally, I want to see those guys succeed. I want to see that crop of players succeed because before being an Arsenal fan, I'm a football fan. I love to watch good football and those guys they got have the potential to play the best form of football you could ever imagine. So I I don't know. I don't I don't still believe Lampard is the person to bring out the best in them because he's always finding a way to put Mount in that team. <laughs> you could play Mount as left back or right back if if everywhere is filled up. To know what the obsession is with Mount. But anyways, uh, I, 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 I hope, he, I hope he, he sorts it out or Chelsea finds a way and Lampard mostly finds a way to prove me wrong and get a very definite structure because now they play like, they play like we're playing, like you're playing five aside, no plan, just give your best players the ball or just do your thing and freestyle and hope for the best. Well, for me, this Lampard subject is a very dicey one, very touchy. It's a grey area because, you know, 
I love him personally because of the connection he has with the club, his legend status, what he has achieved. Yeah, but so far because the f his first managerial job was at Derby County, and he did an okay job for you know like a championship team. But normally, if even if he was not you know like the legend he is, I doubt Chelsea would have given that kind of coach an opportunity to coach a team such as Chelsea. You know their status and their high caliber. So even his legend status even played a part in him getting the job so but so far last season you know it with the transfer ban and everything yeah he did a very good job yeah but we considered a lot of goals too many goals like i think bottom three in terms of goals considered it was a lot yeah and at a point in time you will stop blaming like the goalkeeper keeper and the defenders because at the end it's your coaching method they are following so you cannot just blame the players attributes because these players have been successful elsewhere before so if you start thinking about it in depth you see that the managerial staff plays into pass play a part in the whole defensive issue and now this season now you know your like for me now you know your biggest issue is at the back supposedly your biggest issue is at the back won't you start by straightening up your defense? I know the flashy signings are lovely. Timo Werner in the team, Havertz, all lovely, ZH. But since you said your biggest issue is in the back, I just felt he would have strengthened the back first. But as for me, for now, it's just six games into the season. I'm not happy, I'm not unhappy. I just like to see where it will go. But if it continues like this, maybe. We are eight in the middle of the season. Ah, that is a very big cause for alarm. But I don't think he has done enough to deserve the job personally. But let's see how it goes. Now, we have to move on to our next segment, and that is um, about Donny van der Beek and how he seems to have been surplus to requirements at Manchester United. Now, during the summer, Manchester United were not able to get their number one um, target, which was Jadon Sancho, but they did get van der Beek and Cavani and um, two other players. But I think there is this general reasoning that Donny van der Beek um, is lacking game time because he started um, just the two league games and he's had just the final minutes of the Premier League games. He didn't. He was a no-show um, against um, PSG in the Champions League, so he has not been getting the kind of game time that he himself would have anticipated. But <clears throat> before the summer, I think everyone would have agreed that Manchester United did not desperately need another midfield player. They needed a winger, they needed a defender, they needed a second choice striker or a number one striker for that matter. But they did not need a midfield player. I, I, I didn't see it as a desperate need for them to get. However, they did get him. So what do you expect? This is a, this is a guy that is coming into a team with, they have Matic, Fred, Scott, Paul, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, and Mata can still play midfield. So those are six legitimate options in that midfield. And then you bring in Donny van de Beek. I don't think you ex I don't think coming in, I, I didn't expect so much of a game time for him. Now I didn't expect this less, but I'm not surprised because I know that there are a lot of players in that team 
that can do a lot of the things he can do yes he's a box-to-box midfield kind of guy but they do have scott and fred who can who are bundles of energy and are used to the premier league and um, he can play in that number 10 position manchester united's best number 10 is bruno fernandez and he would play every single game before legacy as well as i can make him do that obviously that he can play for pogba and all that so i am not surprised that he's not getting game time i mean i expected him to play more but i'm not surprised because i feel they did not need him obviously and they have a lot of options in that position it's going to be difficult to try and squeeze him in now with marshall um, um getting the red card i know a lot of um i was talking with um saucy one day and he was saying something about maybe playing um van de Beek in a wide position or just trying to create a system just to bring him into the team i mean for me that's expecting too much of Ole gonna really to just try and find holes in order to fix um donny van de Beek into he really is just the central midfield player that's his best position and at the moment there are a lot of players in that position for manchester united and him not getting into the team is not a surprise to me at all but i asked this question obviously to source and Dave, and this is what he had to say about that um Manchester United is a fun subject. Manchester United and Van de Beek. Oh, when when I saw the signing of Van de Beek, I I was lost. I was confused because I was wondering what they needed him for. I had, um I've heard a lot of Manchester United fans say only wanted Van de Beek and I've been trying to ask myself why does only want Van de Beek? You literally have basically the same profile of players in your midfield. So why do you want Van de Beek? I don't know. I don't understand. I feel like they just wanted to sign someone or just get him to the team. And the boy looks lost. The boy looks tired. I was watch. I saw him against. I saw him um, in the Chelsea game, Manchester United versus Chelsea game, I think last weekend. And he was just on the bench, feeling sad, like, oh God, why was I not with my Ajax team now, beating one other team, 13 nil? <laughs> I, I feel like he's, 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 that he's regretting his decision to move now. Because I feel he's a surplus. They don't really need him. I don't think they need him. I don't think they need a player of that profile. They should have gone and gotten the the players actually needed. Not Van de Beek. No, you don't need Van de Beek. You have Pogba. You have um, Bruno. You have Fred. You have McTominay. You have um, Matic. I don't know any other midfielder, but those five, I think they're enough. You can bring in a player of Van de Beek's quality to play on the bench. I uh, just feel like it was unnecessary. It's good enough to start for Manchester United, but is it good enough to get into that team? I don't know. And considering the fact that it is only, always the most pragmatic human being I've seen in this life, so I doubt, I doubt it's going to to be of any importance or add any value to that Manchester United team. Well, I wish him the best. I always want to see young players or guys that are decent footballers actually perform well so i hope i hope he proves me wrong and proved that he's not a surplus to manchester united but for me he's a surplus they don't need him they never needed him they don't and they won't need him (laughs) 
that found a big transfer has always been a mystery to me because I knew Ole won't be starting him. Because why buy a player of such quality and he won't start him? This is just down to how Ole is not really a good coach because a normal coach, a normal good coach will be able to play Bruno Fernandes, Van der Beek and Pogba. It's all a matter of instructions and coaching. Now you buy somebody of such quality and you make him sit on the bench. It's uh, it's it baffles me because Van der Beek is you know we all know the quality he had at his previous club. We all know the goals he scores. You know he goes from box to box and it's an, he is an exceptional player and he, he will start for almost all the teams in the Premier League. So why put him? On the bench is the is the sol- is the question of the hour for Ole. I don't know now. Is they don't even starting Pogba? <sighs> well, we'll see how it goes. But I feel he's a very nice addition to the Man team, and he's not a player that should be sitting on the bench. He should be starting games. He should be playing games. Okay, so let's move on. Um, I think everybody already knows or believes that the Premier League is the toughest league in the whole of Europe. Um, the qualities between the teams are far greater than in other leagues that we see. Obviously, there are more competitions. They are far better players. And I think right now, the Premier League is stocked with just a fantastic group of strikers. Harry Kane, Aubameyang, Jamie Vardy, Raul Jimenez is a really good striker. Sergio Aguero gets forgotten, obviously, because of the injuries, and rightfully so. I think Alan Wilson is a very good striker, too maybe not at that level and Danny Yings scores a bunch of goals Danny Yings is a really good striker so yeah the Premier League I think it's safe to say is loaded with uh, a very good um, group of strikers right now the competition for the top spot obviously and um, is going to be a very interesting one to follow so the question did come up is who is the best striker in the Premier League so I asked my guys obviously and this is what they had to say wow best striker in the Premier League this is a tough one because there's a lot of quality in that position in the Prem at the moment. And I remember in some shows back when I was asked the question, or when the question was asked, uh, my answer then was Dominic Herbert Lowen. And that was because of the amazing form was on. But right now, without a doubt, it has to be Harry Kane because of the way he's playing right now. He's playing on a phenomenal level. He knows how to bring his team into the game. He knows how to pick a pass now because when he drops deep, he can pick the pass he wants. And his combination with Son so far this season has been brilliant. Just brilliant. I think it's only Lampard and Drake that have combined for more goals in their career. He knows how to he knows how to lead the line. He's the perfect player now. He's the man you want leading your front line. And sometimes I feel Tottenham is too small for him because he that kind of player has to win trophies or he has to want to win trophies. He can't keep topping the gold chart and not be winning silverware. So that's how important he is to sports because without Hurricane, I don't think sports would be anywhere close to their potential they're playing or their full potential. So Hurricane is the is the man of the hour, or rather maybe it's the season, the man of the season. Aguero is the best in terms of overall performance since he has been in the league, so that is undisputed. Kane is becoming something else. Is is becoming more all round. 
in terms of goal scoring and chance creation. Obama Young is currently having a sleeper. He's currently sleeping in the league. Vadi is remaining as consistent and effective as ever. So if I'm to say the best to, to pick the best um, striker currently in the league, in the Premier League, I think I think I think I would I would I would have to give it to Jimmy Vardy. Get my point. Obama Young is currently underperforming. Um, Aguero has been injured, so he can't be in the fray. Um, Kane, I know you would you would want to say Kane, but Kane is not actually doing his job. Kane is becoming an assister. That that is not his job. It's not an assister. So in terms of striking, I think Vardy is the most effective. Look at Vardy against Arsenal last weekend. Came on about 60 minutes. Came in, came into the game, changed everything immediately. Bang, scores a goal. So that is his job as a striker. That is what he's supposed to be doing. So currently, Jimmy Vardy is the most effective, the most efficient, and the best striker in the league currently. I'm not saying based on overall general for two two years ago or three years. I'm saying currently this season, Jimmy Vardy is the um, best striker in the league in terms of what he does as a player in his position. He's the best. Okay, now for my whole take on the best striker in the Premier League, which for me I think is clear, has to be Harry Kane. And if the answer to this question is not Harry Kane for you, then I don't know what you've been watching really. I heard Dave, Dave um, say Jamie Vardy, and I do like Jamie Vardy because of the energy he brings. He does all the data things. He keeps on running every single time. And he's a very, very good goal scorer too, very efficient goal scorer too. But Harry Kane can do it in multiple ways. He can score with his left, with his right. He's very, very good on the air. He's tall, he's strong, he's physical. He can play with his back to goal, which is a very necessary thing um, for strikers to be able to do. Because when those teams, when teams do tend to set up low blocks, you need to be able to back into the centre-back and pick up guys um, running in behind. And now we've seen him being able to uh, be a sort of Kevin De Bruyne 2.0 with his ability to pass the ball and create, and create goals. Now, for me, I had always seen that part of his game. Um, I watch I watch a lot of Tottenham games. I I like Harry Kane, so I have always I had always seen that he he actually does make a lot of nice passes, and it's not just flicks um here and there like you see other strikers do, but he can actually roll the defender, take his head up, and put a very good pass in between the lines. He is very he has always been very good at that. Now this year is becoming a little bit more telling, obviously with um some human being on fire this year so yeah harry kane for me is the multiple ways he can do it it's not just being able to score um off true balls he can do it with his back to go he can turn defenders and shoot it is good on both feet and he is very very dominant on the air i just think if you were to sort of build a model for a striker you want someone that is tall strong and can do almost everything and that has to be okay that has to be Lewandowski, obviously but number two following him right there has to be Harry Kane. He is not just the best striker in the Premier League. For me, I think he is right up there as one of the best strikers in the world. Harry Kane, for me, definitely best striker in the Premier League. Okay, so now it is on that um, note that we would move over to our final segment, which has to do with Mesut Ozil. Now, in the beginning, I did say something about Ozil and his tweets during the Arsenal games. And I'm a little sorry for Ozil because this is sad, really. I mean, not be not being registered by Arsenal for me. I, 
it's sad considering the level of player he was and the level of player a lot of people think he still can be so I, I think Arsenal did move on from him but I would like us to listen to Dave because Dave is our Arsenal guy and he's very passionate about Arsenal and I think Ozil is just his straight up favorite player of all that just listen to this guy listen to this uh, I would I would say it's it is a love story gone bad because we all know how much how massive of a player Mesut Ozil is. That cannot be that cannot be that cannot be argued like that is a fact. But the issue has gone beyond footballing reasons in my opinion because I don't see how Mesut doesn't get into that team. As an Arsenal player, as a footballer, based on footballing reasons, purely, I don't see how he doesn't get on the bench. I don't see how he doesn't play games, if not start games. I'm not saying he should start games, but I don't see how he doesn't get game time. So, I don't know. Looking at the team, looking at the Arsenal team, you would say, okay, it is justifiable for Mesut not to be in the team if there were plans in place, if there were um things in place if there was someone with the right profile to replace him in the team to create these chances because you watch Arsenal and you see obviously creating of chances is a very big problem. All you see is sideway passes and um you see is a team struggling generally. You see a team struggling to do things you you see a lot of reliance on the fullbacks to create chances. I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but once in a while, you still need that extra thing, extra thing, extra person to just come and do something special down the middle. So it is, it is disheartening that we have someone so good in the squad and we can't use him. Ozil is a very outspoken person. Um, talks about everything, human rights, poverty, sicknesses, treating people, charities, everything. So I feel he might have said something the club doesn't want to support. And another issue that came up was the was the whole pay cut, taking a pay cut issue and all that. Uh, it is sad, honestly, as a, as a national fan, it is sad because you see us struggle in games. We started well with Ateta with the, like, after the lockdown. We started playing well. But I think clubs have watched us play and they've seen how we play and trying to do the same thing over and over again. I think clubs are already smarter than that to... to fall for it every time that's why you watch us now play football and you see them struggle struggle and struggle and struggle sad sad i really wish we got the replacement for myself a player of that kind of profile a creative player to come into the fold and um, do what ozzy was supposed to do normally but now we did not get that player and i don't see how you're not registering your most split player, your most creative player, your most talented player in the squad. And they're just watching the team suffer. I don't know if it is ego or just 
چه wickedness or disrespect or loss of I don't know what it is you see Ateta come out and say it is purely footballing reasons like the reason why Ozil isn't playing is purely footballing reasons and I really don't I don't see how true that is because obviously Ozil was playing a lot when Ateta came playing the same football putting in the work and now you're telling me it is purely footballing reasons and he cannot even get on your bench. Hey, Willock even gets on the bench. What is Willock? Who is Willock? Willock plays football for Arsenal and Mesut cannot even come, cannot get on the bench. He's always in training. We see pictures and all that. So I don't know what the issue is. I really hope they sort it out. Sell Ozil or... Or... Um, get someone else just end this whole misery we're just suffering as fans and keeping us in the dark i don't think it is very respectful from the club yeah that's that okay listen ozio people people all over the world listening to this now when this question came up i was ready to destroy ozio the last three years he has not been the kind of player that I loved. He has not been the kind of player that a lot of us, Dave included, everybody actually <clears throat> loved. <clears throat> but you take into consideration the fact that he has been playing with Unai Emery. And you can say, okay, I see why his production has not been that good. But let us put it like on the table. And I wish we had visual for this. In the last three years, Mesut Ozil has played 68 games. That's little. 68 games. In that same span, Wilfred Zaha, who I think a lot of us would agree is a very good Premier League player. And not just that, he's the best player on his team. So everything goes through Zaha. Goals, assists, all that. In that same span, Wilfred Zaha has played 101 games. That is 30 games more. And that is not the comparison I'm about to do here. But there's a blockbuster coming. That is 30 more games than Ozil has played in that period. And Mestozil has more assists. The same goes for Sigurdsson, more assists. Now, let's bring this back into the Arsenal team. And a lot of other players, really, a lot of other good, quote-unquote, creative players during that period, Mesut Ozil has more assists than them. But let's bring this into Arsenal because this is an Arsenal problem. Because Ateta looked at his team and he said, you know what, we can do better without Mesut Ozil. But during that same span of three years, no Arsenal midfield player has had more assists than Mesut Ozil. So to quote Nick Wright, who does sports analysis for Fox, Ateta, the hell you doing? Like, this is madness because, I mean, let's just forget. Let us just try for a second to forget that this guy is probably the best player to have ever played his position. I mean, ever. Let us try to forget that he has won a World Cup and a Champions League title and a La Liga title. Let's try and forget that he had a 19 assists season in the Premier League. Let's try to forget all that. Let us just take it from a veteran standpoint. Chelsea just signed 36-year-old Thiago Silva. Why? Not just because of he can still defend at a high level, but because his presence in that locker room translates winning to all the other young guys in the team who, quite frankly, have not won. I mean, you look at that Chelsea team and you say, okay, maybe just Kante is the one, really, and Aspiqueta who has tasted 
success at the highest level. And that's why you bring in people like Thiago Silva to balance it, to keep everybody straight. And that is why you also need someone like Ozil because that Arsenal team actually lacks those kind of players, someone that has won, someone that will rally you, tell you what to do when you guys get in difficult spots and you're telling me that you, you, you can do nothing without Ozil in that team, it is embarrassing. I think it's one of the worst decisions that I've seen Ateta make since he became coach. Now, I am a little bit surprised by this because when Ateta first came into Arsenal, he did play Ozil. I think in the four, five, maybe six games that Ozil did play uh, during that period, just before the lockdown, um, Ozil played well. Ozil was playing well. I think just one or two assists, but he was playing very well. He was covering up more grounds. And you could see a lot of people were beginning to get hyped because we know what Ozil can be when he's playing at that level. And then just all of a sudden, Ateta doesn't like him. I mean, for me, that was good decision-making, getting Ozil into the team because you know the quality he can bring. And now, within the span of three months, you think Ozil is not good enough to play in the Arsenal team. I mean, it's surprising because... Arsenal have maybe the best striker in the Premier League in Aubameyang. And you would want him to get the kind of service that can get him an extra six, seven or eight goals. I mean, Aubameyang can go out there and score maybe 18 goals on his own just with tap-ins and being in the right position. But having a player like Ozil who can create something out of nothing would give him an extra 10 goals. And that gives you, that puts you in a situation to win. So I don't really know what happened to Ateta? This is a horrible decision for me. And I think it's one that he's going to regret. Because this team is not really playing as well as we have been seeing them play over the last um, few months that he came in. Now it's becoming a, a little bit more slow. It's becoming a little bit more predictable. And this is the kind of times where you need someone who can get on the ball and just create something out of nothing. And now they're lacking it. And I think this is going to come to bite him in the ass. But let, let, let's see. For me, this was a bad decision by Ateta. Ozil definitely deserves a spot in that team. Definitely. Okay, one more thing before we go. Just one last thing. How much does Dave like Bamford? You're about to find out. Now, take this into mind. David has Patrick Bamford in his fantasy Premier League team. So when I asked them to make... Um, like see, um, to, when I asked them to tell me who their best striker in the Premier League was, David, I'm not sure he knew this, but he said Bamford a lot. He was trying to make a case for Bamford. Just listen to this. This, <laughs> this is the funniest thing I've heard all week. Listen to this. Mm, some other honourable mentions here yeah, could be um, Bamford. Yes, Bamford is decent, but Bamford is on the top of the list for me currently. I should I put I have um, Vadi. Jimenez and Bamford. Bamford is a little bit less effective because I've watched it. I enjoy watching Leeds. Bamford is up there, but then Bamford comes in behind. <laughs> oh my God! I have been listening to this a lot, throughout. This is that was that was nice. Bamford, this Bamford, that my guy, chill, chill, guy. Anyway, it is on that note that we would close the content for today's show. Lovely having you guys. Thank you guys for bringing your takes, Dave. Thank Mr. Saucy for his takes too. Hopefully, we might have Anton. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, this was a fun show with Anton. I'm sure you guys agree. But thank you guys for listening to the show. Um, Have a good day, good night, uh, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to the podcast. Um, hope you guys uh, tune in next time and see you guys next time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.